Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Great are you, Lord. Amen. Amen. And he gives us opportunity after opportunity to be able to say that. And um, he really is great. And we should take more time to tell people how great he is in our life. And it may just impact their life, too. And so that's a different sermon, a different time. I'll let Pastor preach that to you. <clears throat> I'm going to preach something different to you. Um, I said it in the first service. I'm going to say it again. I am honored and privileged that we have pastors that will give a young, crazy person the microphone and allow him to preach on a Sunday morning. I know a lot of churches that would never dare let their youth pastor have the microphone on a Sunday morning. And uh, he has great faith, Pastor Charles. He has great faith. <laughs> so I hope I don't screw it up. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, help me. But no, but we're honored and we're blessed that we have a pastor that really does promote us. The only reason that the element, the teenagers and the college ministry, the only reason that it's as successful as it is is because he promotes us. Um, he promotes us so much so that he doesn't have a Wednesday night service for you. And um, he lets us have the sanctuary if you don't know, and he's done that from the very beginning. And uh, I'll tell you one story, just one story about Pastor Steve and then we'll get to preaching. But um, when I was first youth pastor inside the first year, I had bought a ping pong table at a garage sale for $20. I bought it with my own money because I was scared to spend any of the church's money. You know what I'm talking about? And so I bought it with my own money because I didn't ask permission. And so I brought it and I set it up. But it had a crack right down the middle of it. And me and Seth Nix, we played with that crack for many, many years. Well, not many, many years, but many, many months. And if you could hit perfectly on that crack, you would be guaranteed to get a point because it's just going to go the opposite direction. So I wanted to get a new ping pong table, and so I worked myself up and psyched myself up as to calling Pastor Steve and saying, all right, Pastor Steve, we need a ping pong table, and I know what you're going to say. It's a $300 investment, but I'm telling you, it's important because fellowship, that's what Wednesday night is about, is about fellowship, and if we can get the young people to fellowship, then they're going to come in here, and then when they come in the sanctuary doors, then their lives can be changed, and I have all this planned and prepared, and I call Pastor Steve, and I say, hey, Pastor Steve, I think we kind of need a new ping pong table. He's like, all right, go get it. All right. So we did. And we bought a ping pong table, but he invests into the lives of the young people. And I think that's partly because he's really a youth pastor posing as a pastor. Don't tell him I said that. Well, I guess the cat's out of the bag. Yeah. So uh, he said he doesn't have the hair for youth pastoring anymore. And so uh, I... I, I I got a little bit still left, so we'll see how long it lasts there. My brother's balding. We don't know. But anyways, Pastor Steve asked me if we would do Element Sunday, and we would take a Sunday and show you what we do on Wednesday nights. And uh, we dress up a little bit. I get Seth Nix to wear some pants on stage. And uh, most time he wears shorts. Sorry, that sounded really bad. Long pants. And so that's how we get him to do that. And uh, I always joke around with him. I'm like, man, you can't wear no pants today. You're just wearing your shorts. But anyway, so we dress up a little bit so you don't think we're heathens. And, uh, but we have a good time on Wednesday night and privileged and honored to be here with you preaching. And uh, so when Pastor Steve first asked me to speak, um, a subject matter came to my mind. Uh, and I was reminded of a book that I read many, many years ago. And um, it was a book that I had kind of forgotten about, but it was a book that I, when I remembered it, I remembered reading it, and it changed me. Now, I didn't like it. I didn't like the book. I didn't like the pages that I was reading, the words that were entering into my brain. I didn't like it, but it changed me. And most things that change us the most, we don't like in the very beginning. Amen. And so I, I just kind of began to think about that book, and that book talked to us about the most deadly trap that Satan uses. 
the most deadly thing, the weapon that he has that will ensnare most of us in this room, the thing that, 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 that will just destroy our whole entire life. And it's a trap. And um, I, I uh, with it getting cold outside, it's hunting season, amen? So I kind of know a little bit about traps. You can talk to Tim Hooper. He's actually trying to trap him a beaver and uh, out of his house that's tearing up some of his pond. And, uh, but I know that a trap has to have one of two things to be successful. A trap either has to be hidden, meaning that you don't know that you're walking into it, or the trap has to be baited. The trap has to have some sort of bait on it. So for the, for the mouse, you put some cheese on the end of the trap, and he's so preoccupied with the cheese, or the peanut butter, whatever, back in the day, the videos, they showed us cheese, so it's just a habit. But peanut butter, he's so captivated by the peanut butter, he doesn't realize it's a trap until it's too late. And what I know is that this trap that we're going to talk about this morning, it's hidden. It's the bait that he uses to get us to fall snare to him, to fall into a, 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 a dark time, a deep place, a place that we don't want to be. And uh, what I know is that the devil never just comes out and attacks us. Do you know that? I know that most of the time when I hear people say that Satan's attacking them, Satan, ain't just, Satan, Satan is not attacking them. Life is just happening to them. That's good. Life just happens, and a lot of the times we blame Satan for it. Satan's not just going to show up in the middle of your life and say, Ah, here I am, and I'm going to tempt you. That's not how he happens. That's not how he does it. That's not what happens in your life. It's going to be hidden. It's going to be baited. It's going to be something that you walk into, and you don't even know that you walk into it until you're trapped. Until years later, you're living a life that you don't want to live in. You don't know why, but it's because you fell prey to the trap. And see, this trap was coined by John Bevere in 1994 as the bait of Satan. And I don't know if you've read that book, but that book changed my whole entire life. It changed the way that I thought. It changed the way that I acted. It changed everything about me. And when he talks about the bait of Satan, what he says the bait of Satan is, is offense. It's offense. Now, I'll tell you that it is just as uncomfortable for me to preach this as it is for you to hear it. Because we're not going to like what I'm getting ready to say. But understand that I don't like what I'm getting ready to say. But the things that I'm saying are proven biblically. They are God-ordained. And they're going to change our life if we'll merely let them. See, offense is something that happens to everybody. I can't guarantee very many things in your life. But one thing that I can guarantee is that you will, in your lifetime, have the opportunity to be offended several times. Multiple times in your life will you have the opportunity to be offended. Multiple times in your life will you be offended. That's what's going to happen. It's offense. See, I don't care if it's offense from your parents. Don't raise your hands, young people. It's for your best interest that you do not. But you're offended by your parents. And remember, we talk about this on Wednesday night. Just so you adults know, I tell them. That somewhere about the age of 14, every young person acts like that they know everything. I don't know how it happens, but it just does. And then somewhere about 23 years of age, life smacks them in the face. And they realize, hey, I don't know everything, but my parents did. Amen to my mama in the back. Because my mama is here. Somewhere about 23, I went to her and I said, mama, I'm sorry. I've been acting a fool. And she goes, I know. I remember the first time I tried to confess some sins to her because somebody told me that if you confess to your mama, your life will be changed. So I confessed some sins to her. And I said, Mom, you know when I was living with you, um, you know, and I was going to church and I was acting like everything was okay, everything wasn't okay, and I was sneaking out and doing this. She goes, I know. What? She's like, yeah, I know. I heard you coming in the door at 2 in the morning. I just didn't say nothing to you. I said something to Jesus. And then some point in time, Jesus smacked me upside the face, and then I realized, hey, Mama does know best. Anyway, some of you are still offended by your parents, even though I just said that. Some of you are offended by something that happened so long ago that you can barely remember why you're offended, but you just remember that you're offended. 
Some of you are offended by your best friend that said something to you yesterday. Some of you are offended by your spouse that's sitting right next to you and you're trying to act like you're not offended, but you're so offended you can't even look them in the eye and you have no sex life. No, you're supposed to slap me. He's, he's disciplining me. You're not supposed to talk about sex in the middle of church. But you're so offended that you don't even have a good relationship with your wife. You're so offended at your young people, your, 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 your kids. You're so offended at them that you can't even discipline them properly. You only discipline out of anger. We're offended. We live these lives that are offended. And we've got to learn to deal with the offense. See, but John Bevere in his book, he wrote this. Only those that you care about can hurt you. <laughs> Let's read it from Psalms chapter 55, verses 12 through 14. It says, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship. As we walked with the throng at the house of God, it's the people that are closest to you that can hurt you the most. Somebody that's far away, somebody that you don't know can walk down the street and say that you look stupid, that you're dumb, that your hair's retarded, that your shirt doesn't even look good, that it looked like that you shop at everybody else's house but not your own and the clothes don't fit you. They can say that you're fat, ugly, dumb, everything in the book, and you can walk out and go, you're stupid, boy. But we can walk into the house and somebody that we love, a close friend, somebody that's near and dear to our heart can say one small thing and we're offended. We're upset. We're hurt. See, let me tell you what an offended brother is like. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 19 says, An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. And disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. See, what happens when you become offended is that you become like a fortified city that nobody can get in. That's what a fortified city is. Fortified city means that it has walls all the way around it, that there's only one entrance into the gate, and you don't get in unless you know. And so we become this fortified city when we're offended. We're like a brick wall. We say, no, you can't come in. And the problem is, is that the fortified city doesn't affect, doesn't affect everybody around you. It only affects the people that are closest to you. So we become offended at our boss and we take it out on our wife. We become offended at our boss, so we take it out on our children. We become offended at the thing that somebody else did, and we take it out on everybody else that's around us. I know that you don't do that, but I do that sometimes. I make mistakes. See, and the reality is, is that if you're going to do life, life is going to involve people, and people are going to make mistakes, therefore they're going to offend you. The thing that I never said on my wedding vows is said, Jesse, I love you so much that I'm never going to offend you. I didn't say that. I said, I love you enough that I'm going to forgive you when you offend me, and I hope that you do the same for me, because we're not perfect. I don't ever want to hurt my wife. I don't ever want to hurt the people that are around me. I don't ever want to hurt my parents. But how many of you know it happens because we're not perfect? So we've got to learn how to handle this offense. See, and so far I've been talking to you about people. And I understand that people can offend you. But can I talk to you about two other things, two other groups that might offend you? How about the church? See, I can talk about this because I'm not the pastor. He's the pastor. I'm the youth pastor. See, but I understand wholeheartedly that you come to this church because you 100% believe everything that Pastor Steve says. You 100% believe everything that we talk about and you're in agreement with us. And because we're perfect and we never do anything wrong, that's why you're sitting in the church chairs at this moment. I understand that. So I'm not talking about this church offending you. Yes, I am. But I'm talking about that church offending you. How about the church where you used to go? Mm. This church is only 2000. It was, it was started in 2007. So where did you used to go to church? And did you get offended and leave?
Because the odds are that if you got offended and left there, you're going to get offended and leave here. And then you're going to go somewhere else and you're going to get offended and you're going to leave there. And what happens is that you're going to build offense upon offense upon offense upon offense. And the reality is, is that if you'd have just dealt with the first one, your life would be better. How about one more group? Anybody offended at God? Have you prayed for something for so long and it never happened? Maybe you feel like all your whole world is crashing around you and all you've done is serve Jesus with your whole heart. And all you can do is complain all day because you're offended because God didn't step in. God said he was going to bless me and he hasn't blessed me. Are you breathing? That's a blessing. Do you have a place to live? That's a blessing. Do you have a car to drive? That's a blessing. Do you have family that love you? That's a blessing. Do you have a church that cares more about you than you even know? That's a blessing. But we're offended because God didn't give us that 2010. We're offended. How about we're offended because we've been praying for God to heal us and he hasn't? How about we've been praying that God would restore our marriage and he hasn't? What if our kids are acting a fool? Nobody in this room. I understand. Maybe your kids are acting a fool and you've been praying God slap them upside the head. Because if I do it, I'm going to go to jail. And God hasn't done it. Maybe you're offended at God. I don't know who you're offended at, what group you're offended, and what level you're offended, but what I know is that most people in this room had the opportunity to be offended yesterday. And more than likely, since it's already, I'm not going to even tell you the time because then y'all all start thinking about what time it is, but there's several hours already gone in the day and you've probably had the opportunity to be offended this morning. Something that somebody said, something that somebody didn't say. See a, lot, see, a lot of people get offended at the church and they expect us to be mind readers, but guess what? I don't read your mind. Therefore, if you're not going to call anybody and tell them that you're sick, how am I supposed to come visit? If you're going to walk in the door every Sunday morning and put on a mask like your marriage is perfect, how am I supposed to know you're struggling? If you're going to walk in the door and act like that you don't have sin, how do I know? I don't go and sit and say, God, tell me all the sins of Tari. I don't do that. Thank the Lord. I don't ask God to air your dirty laundry to me. What I'm saying is that most of us are, get offended by the church. We get offended by God, and it's things that we can control. See, and what I feel, and I'm going to make this statement, and it's probably going to offend you, and I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. What we'll do is we'll give the restaurants more grace than we'll give the church and the pastor. Come on, you've been to that restaurant and they jacked up your food. I particularly like Taco Bell, so I'm going to use it as an example because they jack up my food a whole lot. But guess what? Even though I was in a hurry and I ran through the drive-thru at Taco Bell and I paid for sour cream on my taco. I'm not bitter, I'm just saying but I pay for sour cream on my taco. I get down the road, I open up my taco, and guess what? There's no sour cream. You make this taco a thousand times a day, and it says on your little screen, add sour cream, because I see it on my receipt, and you charge me 35 cents for it. But I'm on down the road, and I can't turn around, so I just eat my taco and shut up. Well, I might shut up a little bit later. But guess what? The next day when I'm driving by Ann Arbor and 39th, and that Taco Bell is staring me straight in the face, and you can get a double-decker taco or a gordita. Never mind. We can't talk about that. But guess what? I pull in there, and I get another taco. But the church says one thing. One thing that you're uncomfortable with, one thing that doesn't set right with you, one thing that convicts you and makes you feel like that you should be doing something different and you get mad and you'll walk out the door. 
we'll let them have all the grace, but we don't, we, nuh -uh. not at church, not at church. My wife and I went to Rib Crib the other day in Shawnee. Bring the plate of food out, there's a bug on it. A dead beetle. I'm talking like a beetle on the pickle. You know what I didn't do? I didn't get on Facebook and be like, I can't believe this rib crib. Brought my food out and put a beetle on it. Are you kidding me? I can't believe the people, the nerve that people have nowadays. Come on. I'm just quoting your Facebook. I didn't say nothing about it. I just said, excuse me, ma'am. Come over here. See, I was even quiet about it because I didn't want to make everybody else lose their appetite. She brought back a plate of food. We ate it. But we come in and there's a bug on our meal at church. And the whole world and their mama is going to know about it. And every person that's not a Christian doesn't want to be a Christian because of what you say about the church. All right. I went off script for long enough. Now I'm getting back on script, okay? But we have the opportunity to be offended. It's inevitable that we face offense. So what we have to do is we've got to learn how to handle offense. Because our, this is what John Bevere said. Our response to offense determines our future. Your future is determined by what you're going to do with the offense that you have had your whole life. And that you will continue to have if you don't deal with it. So we've got to learn how to handle offense. We're going to come in contact with it. We must deal with it. The first thing that you've got to do is you've got to admit. You have to admit that you're even offended. Because see, what happens is that we encounter people that we don't want to give them the satisfaction that they hurt us. Come on. Some of the people that are closest to us, we're like, no, 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 I'm not offended. They didn't offend me. I don't get offended by people like that. Yes, you do. You're so offended and so hurt, you need to just admit it. Now, let me talk about how most of us Christians, where we live. Because we know that offense is wrong. Because we know that we're not supposed to be mad at people and we don't let the sun go down on our anger. That what we do is when people offend us, we act like they didn't. Somebody can say something to you and cut you so bad and somebody will walk up to you and say, Hey man, I heard what they said. I'm sorry about that. No, it ain't no big deal. I'm doing me. They doing them. Ain't, I'm cool. No worries. I'm good. They didn't offend me. Ain't no problem. Yeah, it's a problem. Because you're going to think about it every day for the next 10 years. Because you won't first admit that you're offended. See, this is the part where we've got to overcome some pride. Because in our pride, we want to tell you, I'm not offended at anybody. Let's just break that right there. I am offended. At the moment. I'm being honest with you. Here I am, I got this sermon Months ago, and I thought, oh, yeah, I've dealt with some offense. Let me tell you about my wife. No, I'm just kidding. But I've dealt with some offense. I love you, baby. She doesn't ever offend me. I just offend her. It's just a, that's how it works out. But I've dealt with some offense in my life. And then when you know about two weeks ago, God just says, oh, yeah, you think you got that? How about this? Sends another situation in my life where I'm so mad I could spit and scream and I won't say cuss, but that's what I want to say. I know none of y'all do that or struggle with words in your mind that shouldn't come out your mouth. But I got so upset about a situation, I couldn't even think straight. I'm dealing with that offense now. So let's just cut all the pride in the room and just say, we got to learn how to handle offense because we have offense. And if you're not offended today, wait till tomorrow. Because your boss is going to say something, somebody close to you is going to say something, and you're not going to like it. You've got to learn how to handle it. And the first thing that you've got to do is admit that you're offended. I've already done it from the microphone. I've admitted to you. See, but the second thing that you've got to do is you've got to choose. And this is probably the hardest step in all of offense. Because what I know is the people that hurt you, 
You're going to tell me the first thing, they don't deserve to be forgiven. They don't deserve me to be nice to them. My question is, who in this room does? Who can stand up and wave their hand at me and say, hey, you know what? I deserve forgiveness. Because I can't. But I know that God sent his son to this earth to die on a cross for every single one of us sitting in this room, and we weren't even born yet. And he died for our sins because he loved us and he wanted to forgive us. So what it basically says when you say you don't want to forgive somebody is that you're better than God. They don't deserve my forgiveness. That's right. Neither do you. Because you've done it time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. And when you come into the altar, when you come into the presence of God, do you hear God's voice saying, boy, I ain't, I ain't forgiving you. You don't mean it. You're not sorry. Never once have I ever heard that response. Only thing I've ever heard is his footsteps running to pick me up and to love me, to hold me, to forgive me. So what we've got to do is we've got to learn to treat people the way Jesus treats us. We've got to make the choice to forgive them. Now let me read a portion of Scripture that you're going to know, but we're not going to like it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15 says this. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, listen, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't like that. That doesn't make me feel all gooey, warm inside like I'm the head and not the tail. That's gooey and warm. But Jesus looking at me and saying that if you don't forgive them, then I will not forgive you. See, because you're making a choice to not forgive them, God's going to make a choice that he can't forgive you. See, and we think this is all games, but what is your life without the forgiveness of sins? Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And without the forgiveness of sins, what it means is the so-called relationship with Jesus you think you have, you don't have. The closeness that you feel to Jesus literally is just the chili you ate yesterday. The goosebumps that you have every time you walk in the door of church is because it's cold. It ain't the Holy Spirit, because when you do not forgive people in your life, then you cannot be in right relationship with Jesus, because without forgiveness from him, you are far away from him. And see, I don't like that. I don't like that, because I want to think that it's okay that I can be upset with them, but that Jesus still forgives me. Because, see, they're a dirtbag, and I'm not. what you've got to understand is that when you make the choice to be offended, when you make the choice to harbor offense in your life, what you do is you put yourself in a jail cell on all sides. And we wonder why we feel like we're far away from God. It's because we are. We wonder why God doesn't hear our prayers but it's because we're in a jail cell. It's because we're offended. And therefore, we cannot have right relationship with Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because this is not easy. And I don't enjoy this. This is what the scripture says. It says that if we don't offend others, God will not forgive us. What we got to do is we got to learn that we're going to make the choice to forgive. That's what God does. God chooses to forgive us. And we've got to learn that we've got to make the choice to forgive others so that we can get out of our jail cell, so that we can start walking in right relationship with Jesus, so that we can start communing with him, so that he can start blessing our life. We got to deal with offense. We got to make the choice to forgive then the third thing and what I'm carrying out in my own life is you got to continue 
See, what I know is that there's not some magical prayer that you can come up here and I can have you say and repeat after me and then all of a sudden you're no longer going to have some ill will towards somebody. It's not like you can just walk in the door and I can lay my hand over you and boom, the offense is gone in your life. What I know is that it's a choice. I know that I had some people that offended me in my life, some people that did some pretty junky things in my life. And what I know is that I made the choice to forgive them and then I continued to carry that out. And what I did, and I don't, I'm not telling you you got to do this, but what I'm saying is that what I did is I made the choice that every time I thought about it, no matter where I was at, I was going to say out loud, God, I choose to forgive them. Wait till you're eating at the dinner table and you think about them. God, I forgive them. Wait till you're in a public restroom with a bunch of other people. And you think about it. God, I forgive them. And I said it over and over and over and over and over and over. I chose and chose and continued to choose. And then one day when I said it, I felt it break in my life. And it was no longer a choice that I had, was making, but it was a choice that I had made past tense. See, and a lot of people will say that they forgive somebody, but they can't call them on the phone and tell them they love them. A lot of people will say that they've forgiven somebody, but that you won't call and invite them to lunch. We say we've forgiven people, but we hold it deep down inside that we're still mad at them. We still got that record book. Well, Pastor Woody, I would forgive him if it was one time. But it wasn't one time or two times or three times. It was ten times that they did this to me. I'm thankful God doesn't keep score. Because I wouldn't be here. Are you hearing me? Neither would you. We got to continue to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. Abby, I'm going to have you guys come and play. See, what I know is that we know better than to harbor offense. We know better than to be upset with people. And we know what all the scripture says. And we know what we're supposed to do. But what we're supposed to do and what we feel are two different things. Because what I feel is that I want to take them out back and beat them. Offense. We've got to learn to handle offense or it'll ruin our whole entire life. It'll determine the course that we can go. Because see, if you don't ever, let, let me just be real with you, if you don't ever deal with your offense, I may not be able to stand up at your funeral and say, hey, we're going to see them again one day. Don't put me in that predicament. We've got to deal with the offense in our life. Lord Jesus, this morning, God, pray that you would help us. Help us, Lord, number one, even admit that we're offended. Lord Jesus, to lower our pride down and to realize that it's okay to admit it. But God, I pray that we would move to the second step, that we would choose to forgive them. God, and then we would carry out in our life to continue to forgive them every day if we have to. Lord Jesus, help us. Will you stand to your feet with me this morning?
I want you to keep your eyes closed and focused on Jesus. There's nothing special about that, but it just keeps you from being distracted. Don't pay attention to your neighbor. Don't pay attention to your kids. Don't pay attention to your spouse, to your best friend. Just pay attention between you and Jesus. And my question to you this morning is, are you offended? Has somebody offended you? Has somebody hurt you? Has somebody said something? Has somebody done something? Has the church said something? Has the church done something? Or did God say something to you? Or did God do something to you? And you're offended. And if you say, Woody, that's me, I'm offended. I want you to just raise your hand and show me who you are. I see hands everywhere. Hands everywhere. Hands everywhere. I'm offended. I'm offended. I don't want to be, but I'm offended. I want you to take it one more step further. If you raised your hand, I want you to come down here. I want to give the opportunity for me and Pastor Steve to be able to pray for you. So move from where you're at. If you raised your hand and you said you're offended, there is a ton of people. Don't be scared. Don't let pride stop you. This could be your moment. This could be the life change that you have. Make your way. And when I sit down this microphone after I say a prayer for you, they're going to sing a song. It's called, I can feel your healing oil running down my brow. Because I want you to know that just because you're offended and you're not supposed to be doesn't mean that there's not wounds that are still there. And what I want to happen is I want God first to heal your wounds. And then I want you to make the choice to forgive the people that are around you. Lord Jesus, right now, I lift up every single one of these people that come down here. And Lord Jesus, they did the first step. They admitted that they were even offended. And God, right now, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would send this healing oil, Lord Jesus, that you would send your presence in this place to heal them, to, 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 to wipe away all the marks and all the scars, Lord Jesus, to bring healing into their life, Lord Jesus. And after that, God, I pray that you would help them make the choice, Lord to forgive and God when they walk out of this place they would continue to make that choice in the mighty name of Jesus
to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.